Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Transfix Take podcast, where we are performance-driven. Now, each week, we usually deliver news, insights, and trends, but on today's show, Maze and I are joined by a very special guest, Kyle Lintner. Kyle is an experienced professional industry expert, freight connoisseur with 20 years of experience, 20 plus years of experience of reducing freight across asset classes and most recently within balance sheets inside of the freight industry. And frankly, Kyle does not shy away from the ugly truths of freight. And we love that. So, Kyle, welcome to the show. We are very happy to have you. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Now, let's get us started. I will throw us our first question. Now, we've had a trifecta of issues looming over the supply chain in Q1 and Q2, but with the threat of ocean strikes, AB5 implementation in California, and the possibility of rail strikes that could happen any day now. So, Kyle, you and I joked last we spoke that there's no there's no such thing as a new normal in the supply chain. This is just how it is. So I'm throwing this question to you. Do you think that this is kind of just the name of the game for the supply chain or has 2022 been an anomaly of a year? Um, both. And I mean, there has always been problems. There's always been litigious things that pop up. There's always a strike. There's always a complaint in this area or this particular section or sector. I think the frequency and the intensity of those has picked up post COVID. And that's simply because of the amount of business that's being done right now is creating not only more opportunity, but obviously more stress on everyone. So anyone with a gripe or a perceived opportunity to increase market share or business is going to use these busy, busy times as the reason or the excuse to voice their opinion for change. Uh, I don't think that's going to stop. I don't think that could possibly even remotely think about that stopping until we have a lot of these problems that cause the reasons for the complaints. Uh, until those problems are gone, you know, why would anybody stop complaining about them? That's very true. I mean, Maze, I'd love to hear your perspective here too. You think new normal is is a is a false statement or what what do you think in there? I think it's a mix. Do you ask Jenny? I think we asked ourselves that same question in 2020 and 2021. So I, I think that the hectic market topsy turvy turns is just the new normal. Yeah. For the time being, like Kyle said, until we fix it, because there's a lot of issues that are the underlining causes of the volatility we're seeing. So we still have a lot of work ahead of us. Right. That's the key part right there is the underlying issues. So many of them are, are not only underlying, but fundamental to the core that any superficial change to it, unless it really gets to the bottom of it, it's not a real change. It's just putting a bandaid on it. Do you feel like that's kind of ha been happening over the last couple of years or just I guess for the for the origins of the supply chain, there's kind of like that Band-Aid, you, you put it over a solution and then you move on hoping it's going to get better. And then inevitably everything kind of blows up in our face. Yeah, it's a little bit like whack-a-mole in that you, you push down one problem and three new ones pop up. But unless you completely solve that problem, you know, if you put the temporary fix on it, it's going to come back later and it's going to come back worse. Uh, you know, it'd be like having a, a leak in a pipe and you put a temporary patch on it, but it's going to come back again later and the entire pipe's going to burst. With freight and in the entire supply chain in general, there's so many different problems. So many of them are fundamental to the core that we put these these small patches over them and expect them to hold. No, they come back later and they come back with four new problems attached to it. 
is guacamole is a, is very much the supply chain, freight, logistics, all of it. Um, you know, we we talk about obviously a softening market throughout Q3 ahead of the ho- the holiday season, and you know, which won't be too hard of a hit, I think, for carriers, especially since we're seeing this gratefully seeing the price of diesel start to decline. But uh, you know, Kyle, I'll throw this to you. Do you think that in Q3 we will face any volatility that we have not been able to expect or or forecast over the last couple of uh, weeks? Uh, I do see volatility coming. I don't know about how much of it's forecasted simply because everybody has a different opinion. But if we look at the current situation right now, all of the ports are still a mess. All of the ports still have uh, a long queue. The congestion is there. We cannot even get the stuff off ships on board uh, onto the, the the docks to get moved along. We haven't come out of the, the problem yet. Volumes at all ports import-wise are still above uh, pre-pandemic levels. So to think that we're out of the woods, I think, is naive. From a surface transportation standpoint, you know, trucking volumes are off somewhere between 3 to 5% year over year. But again, with everything else, keep in mind where that's coming from. That is also above pre-pandemic levels. And the only significant change as far as freight's concerned right now is the relationship between spot and contract when it comes to over-the-road trucking. That alleviates a lot of the problems and a lot of the pressure that we feel inside of the marketplace because the the more dedicated freight can be, the easier it is to do. Uh, But from a pure transactional volume standpoint, it's as busy as it could be, barring last year. You know, those conditions exist for any medium-sized problem uh, that arises will create a situation for a larger problem throughout the entire national network. So think of all the usual things that could start an issue uh, I don't want to say it, but we're coming up into that time where it, it potentially could be hurricane season. So if one of those lands that would disrupt not only just the southeast, but that would spread to the entire network across the country, given the amount of freight that's moving. Uh, if we have a serious port problem, if L.A. flares up like it did in the past, I don't quite think that'll happen, given the amount of freight that's moving to the east coast. But think about that potential problem now. There are more ships coming into east, po- east coast ports than ever uh, than before. They're not used to handling that type of business, number one. Number two, capacity from a trucking standpoint needs to migrate to those ports. That isn't the usual typical pattern. What does that look like just from an asset allocation standpoint with respect to how much freight is moving through dedicated channels? You know, that will pull things away from the routing guide, which automatically puts more of it at a spot. So then what does the relationship of spot to contract look like as we do head through Q3 and into Q4? We definitely have a lot of these conditions and these systems in place that could create another big network problem or another crunch. Uh, I, I don't think it's time to quite say that things are normal and things are okay and, hey, everything's going to be great. Let's just drop contract 20% and call it a day. Yeah. And, Jenny, I would agree there. We are playing a game of whack a when it comes to ports. Um, we never fixed the underlying issues that were taking place last year out in you know Southern California at the port of L.A. and L- Long Beach. And now we're, we're facing that issue up in the New York, New Jersey port, down in Savannah port. And going into peak season, I, I don't think we're going to see as much of a volatile market as we did the last few years. But anything could happen, like Kyle mentioned, especially with you know going into hurricane season. And the fact that these shippers' networks are changing as more shippers are often go to the East Coast. And will that continue? Because like you called out earlier, there's still issues and unanswered questions out on the west coast so i definitely foresee some volatility in q4 going through the holidays but i don't know if it'll be as volatile as we experienced the last two years um just because of that fact that most of that freight does live in 
the contract market now, which is beneficial to your larger carriers and shippers to run more efficiently. But I, I will say we are starting to see shippers actually start pushing freight into the spot market to take advantage of those lower rates. And unfortunately, I think we're going to see shippers force ourselves into that reciprocal cycle by repricing contract freight, bringing down those rates, which ultimately pushes more freight into the spot market. So just like rev the engine up on that reciprocal cycle of pricing power faster than we traditionally see. Yeah, you're playing with fire there, right? Yeah, definitely. Well, let's talk about that for a second, right? Because we're starting to explore, I think, more of the partnerships between shippers and carriers and how, whether that's moved the needle in a positive direction or whether that's kind of moving further away from each other uh, on both sides of the supply chain. So Kyle, I'd love to hear from your perspective. Have you have you started to notice that uh, the relationships between or the partnerships between shippers and carriers get stronger over the last couple of years? Or are you, are you seeing it sort of uh, be that Band-Aid effect? They've gotten stronger, I think, for the wrong reasons, though. Um, mm. At first glance, it looks like it's for the right reasons. Usually the the story is that the shipper has looked back at the past year or so and selected the providers that honored their rates the most, kept their service levels the highest. You know, the ones that were the bad actors, they try and remove uh, from the, the future. In doing that, you do lower your competition. You, you restrict yourself to only who you're using in that moment. You, you don't cast the widest net. Um, but you open the door to those conversations where the big carrier can say, I can't quite accept this new rate you're trying to push on me, which is what every shipper is trying to do. Uh, I don't know how much of that is healthy when you're restricted to just those select few that you're using if you try and push those rates, because then you're almost walking yourself into that scenario that Justin just laid out. You know, How far can I move the contract rates down or how much business can I allocate to the spot market before it bites me in the face? And now I have too much in the spot market. And then it all ends up in the spot market. Um, you know, the there needs to be a, a better and healthier approach to how dedicated, how contract freight works. But I don't like when it's done via manipulation. And, and that's what I view it when it's uh, the shippers trying to push that onto the carriers or even privately having those conversations. The only way that any of this stuff ever works is when we get it all out there and the market collectively as a whole dictates what rates should be. When you try to individualize your specific freight or your specific relationships, you segment that apart from the rest of the market. And now you have two individual markets competing with each other. And when they're not in line with each other, you know, one will surpass the other. And we all know which one that's going to be. It's going to be the smallest of the two, which is that particular shipper's freight. And then you're now at the request and you're at, at the hands of the market and it dictates the spot rates to you. You've now lost control of that contractual relationship. So I, I don't, like when I hear shippers getting over involved in, in rates and trying to dictate them and where they think they should go now that they're above spot. Uh, although I can't understand it. I, I just wish it were done in a, in a better manner. And I think the better manner is uh, to all transparency for everyone, right? Absolutely. So I think we, we've kind of, uh, this is one trend that we've noticed over the last couple of years, but, you know, we've obviously wrapped an atypical produce season. And now that we're heading into peak holiday season, peak season, and then holiday season just up ahead, I'd love to know what trends you're both noticing from both sides of the supply chain as things seem to kind of quiet down. And Mays, I'll throw it to you. And then Kyle, I'd love for you to to, to follow up as well. Yeah, sure. Jenny. I, I'd say that number one is definitely the trend I'm seeing of shippers dragging down those contract rates as we're going into peak season, which is, a, in my opinion, a big no-no. It, it's reacting too fast, that knee-jerk re reaction. Um, but on top of that, 
We're also starting to see a lot of smaller carriers shift back to operating under, you know, the larger national carriers just because the fuel volatility and just the low overall spot rates. Um, it's making it hard for them to operate. Um, it, you know, the cost of everything kind of went up throughout the pandemic. And now they are stuck with these high costs, but they're getting lower rates coming back to continue to operate their business. So those are the two top trends that I see happening right now um, that I want to keep a close eye on. Because as more capacity shifts to larger fleets, it definitely gives them, you know, the, the ability and power to push their contract rates and keep them where they are. But it's going to sit with the very few instead of the, you know, the 200,000 carriers that exist in the marketplace. Um, those are the top two trends I, I've been really trying to keep an eye on and monitor. Yeah, I think the one thing I would add uh, that I thought was somewhat interesting is that you mentioned the, the muted produce season we had. and It was definitely muted. I, I think that presents an opportunity for uh, trailers and carriers who are running the refrigerated that uh, if you don't have the level of demand they're used to, those reefer trailers can also run dry van freight. And if they don't have those opportunities that were there in the past because of the yield of the produce season, you know, there were some that then drifted into the dry van market, which was almost adding extra dirt on top of the casket as it was going down. The removal of that now moving forward is what I'd like to see. Uh, if, if there is uh, a harsh winter, it sounds weird, but we do pull that reefer capacity back into the marketplace. Uh, the protect from freeze is very similar to the need for cold. You know, what does that look like? And unfortunately, these are the things nobody knows because it's the most opaque market in the entire world. But how much of the reefer capacity drifted into the drive-in area that might now come out moving into Q3 and Q4? Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking for reasons to try and draw extra demand into, into drive-in and into freight in general just because of the depressed nature of spot market rates. Um, but as we've seen in the past, sometimes it doesn't take much to start a problem. Um, if we think back to uh, the Texas freeze, you know, we were already starting to normalize from uh, the hectic market. And, and when that happened in late February, early March, uh, that was not only just a jumpstart, but that really kicked off the next leg even higher and even crazier inside of freight. So. I don't know where the next uh, impetus for the change will come from inside of the, the market, but sometimes it comes from the things you'd never expect, like Dallas freezing over in February. Yeah. And Jenny, one last one I'd like to touch on is the length of haul, the average length of haul that we're yep. seeing in the industry. With the issues at the ports that we keep calling out, we're already seeing it in the Northeast where shippers are actually opting to go over the road because of the, the lower spot rates and you know the access to capacity they have over the road. If we start seeing the average length of haul, which dropped pretty significantly through 2022 so far, if we start seeing that go back upward due to the issues on the ports and rails, we could potentially start seeing that volatility to where spot rates are moving up because obviously if a driver is taking a longer haul shipment for a shipper, their capacity is taken up for a great amount of time, which leaves less overall capacity in the market. Justin, honestly, I think that's the most overlooked aspect in freight. And I think just uh, miles of haul in general is a really good gauge of efficiency within the network. And it has been trending down, which is wonderful to see, and it makes sense. But uh, the shippers are starting to elect to use over the road instead of intermodal because it is roughly the same cost right now. And you'd obviously take the time component. Uh, if you're given the choice, yeah, I'll go over the road. But the more that elect to do that pushes capacity further away from the ports where they're needed most. And that begins that snowball domino effect 
of capacity getting further from where it's needed most. The only way to elicit the capacity back into that area is to raise price. If that price continues to move higher, it then surpasses contract and a new snowball domino effect takes uh, effect. It, you know, those are the little things that get overlooked that we never think about. But it, hey, the East Coast ports are not used to this level of volume. They don't have a playbook to look at and say, this is what we did in the past. If everybody just says, yeah, let's go over the road because it's cheap right now, because there's no communication against any shipper or any carrier, no one knows what anybody else is doing. And we could easily get to the situation where everyone is elected to take too much over the road and we push too many trucks out of that area. And now we have the problem that starts it for the entire country. Yep, 100% agree. It's just fragmenting the capacity and what markets they're in and just misaligning where capacity is needed most. You know, and it's interesting because at the top of the summer when we were starting to see all of the, or maybe even in the springtime when we were seeing um, freight moving over into the East Coast ports, we spoke to a couple of port drivers there that were saying, we're not made for this for this amount of capacity. We can barely handle it. And there were a couple of discussions of maybe strikes happening there as well. So it just goes to show that without that communication, without that real strategic mindset, we really could be, you know, I mean, it goes right back to the Band-Aid effect, right? Where, where we've yeah. sort of fixed one issue, now another couple will implode right in our faces. And, and that's not, you know, obviously what we want to do. Um, you know, Kyle, I, what has brought you to us here today is is your colorful commentary on LinkedIn. I quite enjoy it. A lot of us on the team here are, are, are you know, I'm not going to lie. We stalk you a little bit. We read it every day whenever you post. <laughs> Um, you know, on why you think freight is fundamentally broken and that the industry is backwards, right? So I'd love to know, what are your top three recommendations on how we can get down to the root of the problem and fix it? Or what are the problems that we have uh, fundamental issues with? Um, I think the biggest problem is also the, the number one most important and easiest solution, and that's connectivity. Um, connectivity across Competitors, connectivity across um, cooperating companies, you know, the more businesses that are connected and are sharing information, and I'm not talking about private information or anything that you wouldn't want anyone else to know, but the more that we collectively get together and share the right kinds of information, the easier and the quicker the fixes start to come. So it, it, a lot of what we talked about here today is uh, capacity not being in the right place or the fragmentation of it, uh, the the mismatch between where demand is and where capacity is at. And the only way to fix that is if everyone knows where things are, right? Uh, we're never going to get to the scenario where as much as people want to think about it, you know, I'm going to go buy something at the store. And as soon as I take that item off the shelf, some system's going to say, oh, we need more of this widget. Let me order it from it. It's there the next day. Now, that is so far away. <laughs> if you think about how freight actually works right now, there's no way that that could happen. But what we could have, is if we did have a shared pool of resources or at least an area where we had a called a central clearinghouse, if we could have all demand aggregated in one area, we could better allocate the capacity to it. Because what happens now is any shipper acts in their best interest for their own company, which makes sense, everyone should, uh, but that isn't in the best interest of everyone else. And if one company wants to soak up all capacity and raise the flag and say, we'll pay $8 a mile for our goods, sure. They will get every single truck in the country that shows up. But then what does all those other areas do who lost the capacity to that area? And that's where you get that situation of the whack-a-mole that I was talking about. You fix one problem in one marketplace, it shows up into another. And unless we start to think about this uh, as a group and think about where capacity is and demand is across the entire country and how best to allocate our resources around it, 
it's never going to work. And and I'm not talking about this in some sort of altruistic nirvana state where we all hold hands and sing kumbaya. Uh, but these chaotic, fragmented marketplaces are no different than a global equities market that operates without problem every single business day from open to close because the system sorts itself out and regulates itself no matter how complex it can be as long as that system is connected. We have this ad hoc, I'm doing what's best for me mentality across every shipper, every carrier, every broker, and none of it works. Not one company is more than 1% of the marketplace. Why would we think there would be any efficiency in it? And you know, there, I have other ideas on how maybe this could get done, but I know none of them start with without step one, and that's everyone getting together and at least just sharing where demand is and where capacity is. How far off do you think we're away from that solution? Um, question. <laughs> well, we might be shorter to it than we think, simply because uh, the government is starting to poke and prod. Um, and they started with maritime uh, is in price fixing on ocean vessels, but they gave the Federal Maritime Commission uh, access if they see fit to domestic. So I think it's short sighted to think once they fix the issues going on in ocean vessels that they don't at least ask around as to what the biggest problems are in domestic transportation. Yeah. And we've only outlined the tip of the iceberg on this conversation. There's hundreds and hundreds of other problems to deal with. Yeah. You know, if, if you were someone at, at, in that commission and you said, hey, tell me the biggest problems and that person spits out 50 of them to you in a minute, you're going to ask more questions, right? And I don't want to see it go that route, but if, unless the industry as a whole decides to get together and fix its own problems, you know, too many, too many voters and too many elected officials didn't get their Amazon packages or their Christmas gifts in time. Nobody's happy with the supply chain. So I think the possibility for government intervention is very real. And I would love to see us avoid that at all costs. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. We've got to fix it ourselves unless we want the government to, to intertwine. Absolutely. I, I have my own opinions there, but I'll keep them to myself. All right. As we wrap up, uh, you know, we'd love to, we usually throw a crystal ball question. I think we've kind of covered a little bit of it here, but I'd love to hear from both of you. Are there predictions that you have for the future of Q4 as we close out 2022? Um, you know, could it be hurricane season? Could it be these, uh, these, you know, anomalies that pop up, but I'm throwing that both to, to you too, on whether or not we should be looking out for something specific for Q4. My crystal ball is, uh, I, I think, at least for a brief moment, at least one week, spot rates on average across the nation will surpass contract. If I had a crystal ball, I do think we are going to start really closing the gap on contract and spot. I think it's going to be a mix of the two. I think with yeah. repricing from shippers, that contract rate is going to come down. They're going to start also pushing more freight into spot. So I think there's a big possibility that we can, like Kyle said, see spot rates actually eclipse contract rates some of the weeks throughout the year, especially right around the holidays themselves, like Thanksgiving, um, especially as imports, you know, they, they somewhat slow, but they're not really slowing much um, going into peak season. And the network disruption of shippers um, could definitely cause some issues down the line. So I, I do actually now, like that I'm talking to myself into it, believe that spot rates could see the day of light again above contract this year. It makes sense when you think about it for all of those reasons, right? It doesn't have to be one of them. That this yeah. contract starts to get moved further and further and further down as spot starts to go up, more volume starts to go spot. And it doesn't need to, to cross uh, immediately. You know, as long as one gets close to the other, it immediately surpasses. Yep. 
I agree. I, you talked, you and I talked myself into believing it. So. <laughs> well, you know, and to add on to that too, one of the things that uh, Maze you've been talking about on the podcast is that carriers are, you know, that they're obviously trying to understand the, not understand, but just get used to the fact that spot is not the, we're not swinging in the spot market. And I think that I'm just throwing my own prediction in here and it's unfortunate, but could be one where it might be true. I think that carriers, the moment that they start to see that they're getting used to contract rate is when spot will swing back into their favor. And so the good thing is that they'll have that business acumen that I think we've been talking about to help them keep their businesses afloat throughout the upcoming years when we start to see those weird swings. But, um, but, but, you know, not a, not a fortunate thing or result for it. But, um, you know, I've got to ask how, when you start or end your commentary, sometimes on LinkedIn, you have a trademarked phrase, better is coming. What does it mean? Uh, it means better is coming. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fair. I, I, uh, I won't reveal, I can't, but I, um, I will say this, it there, I don't think there's enough quality unbiased objective information inside of the market Um, and and not just from the things that we've talked about here today but uh, from a reporting standpoint from an opinion standpoint from any way you want to think about it there's not enough intelligent conversation around freight both with what's right and with what's wrong everything seems to be biased and slanted Uh, so everything that i'm working on personally and professionally inside of freight is from the notion that we just need to get better and be better and we'll have better. And if we start getting more and more people speaking the same language, speaking about the same things and working towards the same goals, uh, that will happen. I think the same fragmentation that we see inside of the marketplace from a business standpoint exists in how we talk about and how we read uh, freight. You know, everything seems to be fragmented and in the best interest of whoever is consuming or producing uh, content. And I think that that needs to change as well as how we move forward uh, in our normal day-to-day business. So let's combine the two and let's act in the best interest of what works for the entire network and for the entire industry. And we'll come out with a better product that's better for everyone. I love it. All right. Well, then go file Colin Lindner on LinkedIn and I quote, do everything he says because it's so much <laughs> easier that way. <laughs> there you go. One of my favorite lines, by the way, from your post. <laughs> Kyle, very much a pleasure to talk to you today. I hope this is not the last time we invite you back on the podcast. I'd love to talk to you about more things freight in the future. But until then, everyone drive safely and next week we'll come back with an all new episode. All views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of Transfix Inc. or any parent companies or affiliates or the companies with which the participants are affiliated and may have been previously disseminated by them. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are based upon information considered reliable, but neither Transfix Inc. nor its affiliates nor the companies with which the participants are affiliated warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. All views and opinions are subject to change.